Hello, this is Brian Bolio, CEO and Chief Economist for ITR Economics. Uh, this is a follow-up to the Claremont Chamber of Commerce presentation, Planning in a Black Swan World. Thank you for attending. Um, I assume that you did, and you know to come here looking for the uh, questions and answers that we didn't get to. I hope um, we can satisfy all of your needs. That's why we're, we're doing this. One question uh, that came in is, uh, what's going on with Boeing and aviation? Well, with Boeing's got two things going on, right? One is aviation and the other is the uh, aircraft issues that they have been going through. And then there's some other legal problems too. So Boeing's got uh, their hands full. Let me speak to the aviation side of it, the commercial aviation side in particular. That's a, a two-pronged issue. One is lack of demand and that uh, no one wants to fly. No one, I shouldn't use absolutes, I'm sorry. A lot of people don't want to fly right now. Uh, COVID-19 has taken a lot of planes out of the air and a lot of desire out of people's willingness or their wanting to travel. And in uh, our case at ITR Economics, you know, we make a living traveling around giving talks and uh, those talks aren't happening. Associations aren't meeting, et cetera. Uh, so demand is way off. And even if the demand was there for flying around the country or the globe, uh, we probably, I don't think we'd be seeing much in the way of our aircraft manufacturing or servicing picking up. Uh, servicing would, no doubt, but uh, the uh, new aircraft, that's a function of um, fuel prices. And with fuel prices so low and staying so low in 2021, there's, there's no compelling the fuel economy or environmental reason for uh, buying new aircraft. So between the lack of demand and the no need for change in supply, uh, our forecast is that commercial aviation is in a hurt place. Uh, we think it's going to be a top to bottom decline of about 36% and that it's 2022 before we start climbing out of the uh, very deep hole that we've gotten ourselves into. You know, sometimes, and you heard me talk during the uh, uh, virtual keynote today, sometimes there's a V. Um, this is not going to be a V when it comes to aviation. With everything going on, uh, this is a very broad U. This is not a uh, V by any stretch of the imagination. Another question that we got was, do you expect to see increased layoffs after the loan forgiveness review period of the PPP program ends? Well, that depends on how what we have in the way of defaults, right? On after the uh, um, the loans are forgiven, we should be hiring people back slowly. Um, I don't think we're going to see uh, layoffs increase uh, because we will be hiring people back. But I think we're not going to see unemployment come down to current level levels that were before COVID nineteen um, for reasons like not all these entities are going to open back up. Um, we're going to find that we can make do with less. Um, in terms of, and there's a credit nuance to the question, I think about when the loan forgiveness review period ends. Um, and today the Federal Reserve came out with their Main Street uh, lending program. Um, and this that's their ongoing battle to make sure that the credit markets uh, remain functioning in this country and beyond our shores, really. 
And that should alleviate some fears people have about what's going to happen once the uh, PPP program uh, winds down. It's a shame that uh, the Senate decided not to um, expand the PPP program. Uh, it's worthwhile endeavor. Um, it's being played politics right now, so we'll probably end up seeing it part of some other package in a couple of weeks if all goes well. Another question is, what will happen if we dip into round two of COVID-19 in the fall? Well, if we dip into round two, then there isn't going to be a 3Q onset of rise in uh, GDP and a fourth quarter onset of rise in total industrial production. Both of those come off the table uh, if there's a, a round two. You know, if there's a, a mild resurgence because we're starting to mingle again, that'd be one thing. But by round two, I'm, a, I'm assuming you mean uh, a, a significant flare-up um, of a pandemic nature. Um, that would just squash the rest of this year. There would be no recovery going on in the second half of the year. And we'd have to wait until probably uh, late first quarter, if not the second quarter of 21, because we will almost – assuredly at that time uh, be demanding uh, effective treatments and vaccines before we start venturing out of the house. So I think you raise an excellent concern, an excellent issue, and one that we're going to be watching very carefully. Looking at how China and uh, some of the other Asian economies have fared, I don't know that we need to fear around two, uh, but it is certainly worthwhile monitoring it very, very closely. Uh, another question, have we seen any impact on production from decreases in immigration slash visas? Uh, no, we have not. We have seen that, uh, at least amongst our client base and, and what we read beyond our client base, that um, the reduction of immigration and visas has clearly hurt um, several industries, including in the service sector, not just manufacturing. Um, but it does, the lack of immigration and visas has simply uh, spurred us on to automate uh, that much faster and to find technological solutions to become leaner and meaner and squeeze some costs out, uh, if at all possible. Seeing that happen uh, firsthand with my own eyes, we're, we're not about to take um, this lying down in terms of the immigration visa situation. We find a way to get it done. That's what we've always done. That's what we see going on today. Another question is, I've heard suggestions that we, the USA, could fund all of this COVID spending by forcing China to forgive an equal portion of our debt to them. Uh, is that a feasible solution? Well, the, the numbers obviously could make sense. Um, um, uh, in terms of it being feasible, how, you are, you're, you're suggesting that the U.S. effectively, for reasons of our own choosing, would default on the debt to China. And that gets into the whole issue of credibility and full faith in, in the United States government to honor its debts. And that would be a major crack in the foundation of our ability to offer uh, so much debt at low interest rate levels. It goes back to, and I think we touched upon this during the uh, virtual keynote, the uh, looking at the T-bills and seeing what those levels are to make sure that they still represent a virtually risk-free investment. 
forcing this upon China, while we certainly could do it, would not be in our own best self-interest. It would not only hurt our credibility, but it would hurt China. And China's the second largest economy on the planet. So we would need to think long and hard about the unintended consequences of inflicting that sort of harm on the Chinese, Chinese economy. And then finally, that question came in, what are you expecting in oil prices in the near term? And we're expecting, it depends on what you mean by the near term. In the very near term, we expect them to stay in the range of the mid-20s, up a couple of bucks, down a couple of bucks. Uh, as we go through the second half of the year and it becomes apparent that there is some movement toward recovery, we expect that GDP, uh, the rising GDP will be matched by some rise in oil prices particularly if it's a worldwide event. So that puts it more into the fourth quarter than the third quarter of 2020. But our forecast calls for these oil prices, WTI prices, to approach $30 a barrel consistently uh, by the end of the year and continue to rise uh, through 2021 as the global economy continues to improve. Rise is the short answer after a flat period here in the next one to two quarters. That could turn into, instead of a long, elongated rise, gradual rise, a sharp rise if there's a political solution to the current attack on market share held by the United States. And if that happens, then we could see these prices get back into something close approaching break-even, if not profitability, for the better companies in the United States. And the sooner that can happen, the better off we're all going to be in terms of the economic health of our economy. That is the end of the questions. Uh, thank you again for attending the virtual keynote. Thank you for um, listening to what we have to say and letting us partner with you. Uh, may I remind you to take us up on that uh, free trends report offer and uh, the Datacast trial for 14 days to see what your rates of change are doing, how you relate to the leading indicators how you relate to the GDP and the cheap industrial production and retail sales forecast that we looked at this morning. Um, we're trying to do our best to give you the tools to uh, make this all happen. Good luck to you. And if you have any questions or problems making it happen, uh, give us a call. Um, we're here to help. We're here to um, get all of us better. Thank you again. This is Trends Talk for the Claremont Chamber of Commerce. We wish you well. Please be safe.